Mr. Terry Curran, and if you're listening free to the first half on either Acast or Spotify, you can follow the links on our socials and access the full podcast via either Apple or become a Patreon, all the W's dot patreon.com forward slash SRB media, or follow the podcast on Twitter at Curran View, Facebook the Curran View, or on Instagram as well. Thank you so much for your support, it's greatly appreciated, and we've got a few groups as well, TC, we've got the Curran View, we've got um, World Football 70s and 80s, and we've also got an old group, Football Memories of the Alcyon Days of the 50s, 60s, 70s and 80s and My Life, My Music. So, guys, please get involved with the chat on any of our groups. And we're going to be incorporating the groups a lot more, TC, in this series going forward. And I firstly want to talk about your world and British football in the 70s and 80s because there's a couple of guys that really work hard on that group and put some brilliant content out daily. Yeah, uh, Mark Addy, big Leeds fan. Yeah. And uh, David Miller, a uh, big Barnsley fan. And I really appreciate them because I'm trying to do other things uh, to get in- information out to the world on what I think is happening in the world. Uh, and uh, the current view, I'm trying to get things on, on football on that and get, keep that up and running uh, and keeping the public uh, up to date with my thoughts, your thoughts on... Uh, how to think football is wrong or right. Absolutely, TC. And I think what we're going to do, our stars of the 70s section, we're going to link that up to world and British football of the 70s and the 80s. And we're going to ask Mark and David to pick a player and then we'll talk about that star of the 70s. We also do a, another couple of podcasts, My Life, My Music with Alan Hudson and Alan Hudson's American Adventure. And we... All of this comes together under the umbrella of the current view. And we're going to integrate Alan Hudson into the podcast as well because Udi has some fantastic views Brilliant. on everything. Brilliant. But we're going to start with the then and then we'll go to the now. But we always do start on the magic moments. So what's your magic moments uh, for this week, TC? Again, uh, as I say every week, there's some great, great moments uh, in all football and for all the football fans what support their teams uh, so I hope they don't think I'm biased this week because I don't mention Sheffield Wednesday a lot as you know like, no you don't yeah you know uh, but I thought the ball from, uh, from Barry Bannon uh, for the first goal to make up the first goal I know two or three other passes in between but the ball what put him through were an absolutely sublime uh, pass you never lose that your legs may go yeah but the pass and the uh, the uh, tempo of the ball, the vision to uh, play that to to play an opening pass, what cuts open the uh, the back four. Uh, that was one of them, and I wouldn't say it was a a magic moment, but the goal itself was it was such ferocity, uh, and accuracy. Uh, the third goal of Sheffield Wednesday, for me, they should have had the game sobered up by half time, but. As I am an attacking manager, 
we played some good football at times, but you will never, ever win trophies unless you get it right at the back. For what we did uh, attacking-wise, I thought we were poor defensive-wise. First game, but let's get on to next game. Let's get first 10 games under his belt. That will give us all a good idea of all our uh, teams uh, that we, the fans, support. But those were two magic moments um, from Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah, my magic moments. Are, um, first of all, I do want to give a big shout out to this young kid because I thought she was absolutely fabulous uh, during the Euros. And I am doing a podcast with Alan on Sunday about women's football, about the Lionesses. We have got a game against America coming up, so more about that going forward, and we'll put it all on our socials. And Alan did post up a piece, and I was speaking to him today, and the journalist in question did say, I'll put that to me, editor Al, I think that'd be a good piece. He did, and he said, can't run with it, Al, because you're having a bit of a go at Gatter Southgate. It is an absolute media-loving. This country is so controlled, it's on. Believable, but more about that next week because we're going to do that little piece and when when the podcast comes out it will be on all the platforms but that little piece will be in the current view next week so watch this space guys how bad how bad is it it's not the country it ain't america no it's the corrupt politicians absolutely and they have been exposed Mm. it's a me the media per se is totally controlled you the liars can, yeah the part of the corruption absolutely come and sue me come yeah, and sue me absolutely too. so there's a narrative and if you don't fit that narrative they won't print it so when they do say why do you think Hudson went to England team absolutely why do you think Charlie George went in yes yeah I, I, know, I know him I mean I know Charlie well because I played with Charlie yeah yeah I didn't know Stan Boswell I knew him played against him I didn't know Alan Hudson but I one of my idols, I'm not a midfield player, but one of my idols, along with Alan Ball, Tony Curry, Frank Worthington. Why did they play? It's a load of rubbish about being Mavericks, because those Mavericks may have opened that door up to help England win a major trophy. Right? This has always been, always been, and it's all been exposed now. I'm so pleased for the women's football, but there even may be something in there, because all of a sudden, the women's football in England has come from nowhere to win a major trophy. How has it happened? Yes, I'm not daft. I've watched football. Yeah. I've watched the majority of those games and they played exceptionally well. But the other team, for some unknown reason, didn't play as well as what they can do. That can happen. It can happen. And there's nobody more pleased than me that England has won a major trophy. I do like Phil Neville. I like Gabby Neville. Right? But they, they get the, 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 the Dutch manager. Yeah, brilliant. Right? What a transformation. It's either a transformation or the summit a miss here, but because we've come from nowhere, you know, uh, to win a European Championship. And I'm like you, Gabby. I'm good at a lot of footballers. And, you know, Simon, Simon Stavody always has a go at me for liking women's football. Technically, they're as good as a lot of the men. I'll tell you that now. Correct. Physically, they're not. And it's not, it's not as quick games. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't want to pick out certain individuals, but the women's goalkeepers are not as as good as the men goalkeepers, uh, yeah. the men's football goalkeepers. Please don't take that the wrong way. Mm. I'm I'm trying to be uh, construct, trying to give constructive criticism. Yep. Right. And but I was as pleased for England 
as I would be if the, Nash, the if the men won the team or whether Brazil win a team or the Germans win. Because I like to see uh, attacking football. I like to see uh, beautiful football. But I, I'm like you. I will give these women uh, the most utmost utmost respect because it's fetched some joy back into a depressing time in this country. Absolutely. So, so just touching upon the uh, the goalkeepers, I think the biggest problem with the female goalkeepers are that they are a lot smaller than the male counterparts. Yes. And they have said for some time, what? let's I'm have shrunken goals. Yeah. I'm sorry for it, 100%. And I wasn't even thinking about that way because a big big man makes the goals look smaller. So I do apologise to the goalkeepers uh, in that in that respect. Absolutely, Sorry, absolutely. And um, when I was involved with Birmingham City Ladies, and by the way, on the football forecast at the very end, I've dropped Birmingham City from the football forecast. And I'm following Cheltenham because Birmingham City sacked my friend Marcus Bignett about a throwaway comment towards a female who'd abused him initially. So I am going to be following Cheltenham all season. Birmingham had dropped. Uh, blood's thicker than water. Marcus is my friend. I did ask the um, the owners of Birmingham City to please reconsider. You're going to make a massive mistake. Uh, they didn't, but that's the way it goes. But there is a little tale there with Marcus because I was very associated with Birmingham City ladies in those days. And we'd all been out at the end of the season, all the girls and the management team, the coaches, etc., etc. And when... If you don't know Birmingham, you probably don't, TC. Where we were in the Curry House, at the back of the Curry House is the gay centre of, of Birmingham. And this lady walks up the street and she was about six foot three. And Reeves, it was about six o'clock in the morning and we'd had a few sherbets. He looked at her and he says, oh, can you play football, Bab? And Because and, he's a goalkeeping coach and, and stuff, Reeves is. And he looked at her and he looked, he said, Gabby, look at the size of her hands. I said, Reevesy, look at the size of her Adam's apple. It's got bollocks. It hasn't got a vagina. You can't go signing her. But had he been able to, she would have filled the goals. And that is the problem with the females. They're not as big as the male counterpart. So you're absolutely right, TC. That's one of the things in women's football that is going to be a problem going forward. Unless they do have smaller goals, yeah. In that sense, that's mm. what I looked at it, and, and yeah, great, great by you for picking up on that. Because you know, I, I'm not criticising the goalkeepers because they do make mistakes. Absolutely. You know, everybody makes mistakes. All of us. We're not perfect. You know, George Best, Maradona, Messi, Ronaldo. We've all made mistakes on a football field. You know, uh, so but I'm looking at the mistakes to make. But that's a great point. You know, they're not six foot three, six foot four. To, what can fill the goals out and make it look more easier. So I do apologise to the ladies' goalkeepers in that sense. But, you know, I'm like you. I'm a big admirer of, of football. But we've got in a situation in this country where the woke have started to win. But people are waking up now to all this wokeism. Yeah. People are waking up. It's a long way to go yet, but we will be back. And I don't want to see anybody... Uh, Abuse. I don't want to see anybody racially abused. All lives matter. All lives matter for 100%, all of them. 100%. All of them. So, not the, one, not other. Not that you can't say this, but you can call me a white supremacy or something. Else. No, it's got to stop. 
and I won't bow down to it. I will Absolutely. not bow down. All lives matter. 100%. And we are going to be talking about that in the second half of the programme because the taking of the knee is going to be taken out of Premier League games apart from the odd occasion this season. And not not too quickly, in my opinion, because they should have got rid of it years ago. But we are going to talk about that a little bit later. The lady in question is Kira Walsh. I think her midfield play has been absolutely phenomenal. The way she takes a ball, she gets it on the half turn, has it in, in dangerous areas, in risky areas, always looks to pay, play a forward pass, always looks to be positive on the ball. And uh, she is one that I am going to be talking to Alan Hudson about because Udi was an absolute, as we know, maestro of the midfield player. And, and I thought that her pass in the final for uh, Ella Toon to score that goal was absolutely sublime. So that is one of my magic moments. Russo's back heel in the uh, the semi-final against Sweden was phenomenal. And, and I think it just shows you what idiots they are these days that do the interviews. Because they asked her, you know, what did you, her thoughts about that goal? And she said, well, I just... Back heeled it. I didn't know whether he was going to go in the back of the net or not. Absolutely spot on, Bab. You do things on a football pitch that you don't know if they're going to come off or not, but you do them instinctively. And I think the biggest problem in these days with these muppets with microphones, they've never played the game at any level. They don't understand it. And well done to, to the ladies. And finally, I did have three. Uh, Kuko Mohammed's goal for Ajax versus PSV. He's pulled it down on his thigh and he's on, on the half volley, he's put it in the onion bag. And that looked a great game. I was watching that in a bar, um, the Casablanca bar in uh, in Cusadasi. And it was one of those goals, TC. I've gone, what a goal. And them are the goals I love. Moments of magic. Yeah. All that is 100% uh, right. Because choose who you are when it's a... The girl what took a, uh, a top off. Yes, yeah. yeah. A lot of people will turn around and say, that were done for publicity. Don't be I'm stupid. Not I'm not saying the wrong, and I'm not saying the right. What I'm saying is this. I don't give a damn who you are. You can be Queen Elizabeth. You can be Ayatollah Omeini. You scored a goal, yeah. right, in a normal game, but scored a goal in the European final. You get that rush of blood to, head, to your head. People say to you, why do you do things like that when you score goals? And all I can say to him, score a goal in a big match. Score a goal, which I am in a European final or a World Cup final. And see what you do. Yeah. Very few and far between can keep that coolness in such uh, circumstances as scoring an important goal. Fantastic. Absolutely brilliant. No, I'm not bothered about seeing a breast. One little bit. And I'm a man. Yeah. Right? I was, I was, I watched her and the reaction to it, and it was fantastic, absolutely fantastic. So you're absolutely spot on because it doesn't matter what level that you play in a final. I was lucky enough when I was a kid to score a few goals in cup finals, and and they are different to any other goal that you've ever scored. I remember the first goal that I ever scored in a cup final. I was probably about ten. And, and that euphoria, and then 
I missed for my Sunday team. I, I was probably about eleven, and I scored it. And and I can still remember the. I, I, you know, I, I can't remember much about the game, but I can remember the excitement of scoring a goal. You feel as though you can jump over the moon. And I think unless you've actually played football at any level, you just don't understand that. And I think that's the problem. There are so many people that are in the media that have got degrees that have never they were probably the last kid to be lined up to get picked and they have not got an idea about football this is where so the people can not people can now say that i don't agree with if i say i i i don't think you're right on that okay the only reason why i don't think you're right on it i know where you're coming from yeah i know where you're coming from because they are paid to say what Mm. The authorities want him to, and that's why I only disagree with you. You're right, what you yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they look. There's a lot of people on this TV. What should not be on it? I've nothing against them. They're getting paid to say what you know. These woke people or what they're trying to do with taking over this world, right? So I'm not disagreeing with you. What I'm saying is, I think you've got a lot of great points in it. But those people, if, if being used, what on radio talking like that, we get the sack. Absolutely, we wouldn't last 10 minutes. They'd be calling me thick, and I'm not intelligent. I don't need anybody to tell me that. Mm. Right? They're calling me thick, typical football. I ain't got a clue what he's talking about. Right? They get paid to, they get paid to ask them questions. They get told to ask them questions. Yeah. Other than that, yeah, they'll be yeah. out as else will come in it. No, and that's spot on. But I disagree on you, because I'm, we're all waking up to it now, Gabby. We are waking up to it. Yeah, I think you're spot on, TC. But um, what I would also like to say before we go back in time, and we are going to go back in time now, is well done uh, to Serena. It is all about management. It's something that Alan Hudson and myself on all our My Life, My Music podcasts, etc., have been talking about. And the latest podcast comes out next week. It's about Hutch Osgood and a horse named Sea Biscuit. And Alan's just going to now briefly have a quick chat about Seabiscuit and how management changed that horse and the comparisons that Alan uh, looks at with his career of Waddington picking him up when he was broken and falling out of love with the game of football. So we're just going to indulge in uh, in Alan Hudson talking about Seabiscuit for, uh, for 10 minutes or so. I didn't know who Sea Biscuit was, but he changed the he changed the attitude of a nation, didn't he? It's incredible. Well, it's I've, um, for those who are not into horse racing. I love my horse racing. I, I love. I'm I'm not uh, I'm not a, 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 a total nutcase about it, but I, I do. They fascinate horses. Fascinate me. I love. I loved. I loved. Uh, I, I I once had a had a horse. We rented a horse off Red Yollingshead called uh, My Lifetime Lady, who's who's the greatest, the only female that broke my heart really when I lost her. Um, and I, I just uh, I love watching them on the gallops. I love watching them. They fascinate me. They got these legs which I don't know understand how they carry that much weight on the and that they're they're so honest. They're so brave. They're wonderful animals, uh, and I, I I I read about Sea Biscuit. I went to Sea Biscuit Day in Santa Anita when I come out of hospital, and uh, I, I followed the story, see the film, and yeah, it's just a it's just a the story was so much like what happened to me uh, with Tony because it was a horse. 
it was in the depression wasn't it the wall yeah, it street yeah wall street had crashed um the jockeys fire everybody had gone skint apart from you know the certain ones who, who were luck who were fortunate uh and uh unbeknown to anyone this this you couldn't plan it again it, like you couldn't plan what me and tony coming together it was every it was just unseen what what tony done how he paid so much money for me when i was broken down and paid a record fee for a player that was out of form and falling out of love with a game and going nowhere and he sees something in me like tom smith seeing sea biscuit and he said in the film that the and that well the the fellow that spoke uh, the narrator he, he said that tom smith Look, they looked through each other, him and the horse. Mm. They they walked the horse in the through the dark in a training session, and he caught. They they both. They, it was on film. He looked at him, and and he told the he told uh, Charles Howard, the 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 man with the money. He says, I think we should buy this horse. And he said, but the horse is broken down. He says, I can fix it. And uh, he fixed him, and he got his com. He got him. He got his confidence back. Because it was a top-rated horse as a young horse, and it got injured, and then what happened was it was much like me again. It, you, I got injured, and I got ignored. I got, I got pushed into the background, and no treatment and lack of treatment. So I fell out with a manager. I fell out with two managers over it, and this can happen. And Seabiscuit could have so easily just been forgotten, and they put it in races that were worth like. 100 pound races and it went on to win the million pound race uh all because of this this one man that saved him and it, it was sea biscuit you know is it, such an inspiration uh and and it gives as as charles howard said you know if a horse can do to this this to our nation then our nation can pick itself up because a little horse like this is, has proved that he can beat man of war who was a massive, massive horse. It was an unbeatable horse. Well, he proved that it wasn't. You know, this little horse who, who got it, he was brought back to life. He got he got fit again, and he broke his leg again, and then he came back again, and he, he proved he won the Santa Anita Derby, the handicap there. And it's, 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 a, it's a wonderful story. It really is. In many ways, it's the greatest story ever about the triumph of an underdog, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, I've got the other. I've got the other. The one about the the, the great. They would say the greatest horse that won all that won all them races. Um, I've, I've actually got it over the back there, sitting there. Uh, but Sea Biscuit was. You know, they can they can they can argue. They you can talk about footballers and uh, and say who was the best player. You no one will ever know who's the best, but. As regards what Sea Biscuit went through, and uh, the heartbreak it must—I I mean, it is—it it really does make you think. If only a, a horse could talk. Yeah, and if he—if that horse could talk and tell you the pain that it went through, and and how he—you know—he could tell. He, like I speak of Tony Waddington, that horse would talk about Tom Smith and tell you that he saved not only his life, but it, it took him to such heights, you know. But that's what Tom did, didn't he? 
he whispered to the horse. I mean, this was, to all intents and purposes at, at that time, a crazy horse. The, the horse had gone mad. It would bite people. But, but Tom, just as you say, they looked at each other. They connected with each other. He fed the horse. He whispered in the horse. And, and he, he built the horse to be the greatest horse on the planet. It just well, is yeah, an incredible I mean, story. It, in, <laughs> the film, in the film, that the, it was kicking the doors yeah. down in his store and... And they were putting they were putting all animals in in to, to be with him to try and calm him down. And these animals were being thrown over the top of the the store and kept flying over people's heads. And then one day he he walked in and brought this great big horse, lovable horse, and he and he sat a big white horse and he sat it down next to Seabiscuit, and it calmed him down. And it kind of you know when you think that they, they don't talk, they must it's like yeah. probably. A dolphin, I don't know. Mm. You know, they reckon they send these signs out. And the, someone was telling me the other day about that they took their kid over to, you know, um, his, um, this little girl to, to see the dolphins because she's, she's, um, she's, she's got the same thing as my, my, my little nephew. Um, and it kind of cured. The little girl, to a certain extent, yeah. Well, just just getting in the water with a dolphin, going around with the dolphins, and the, you know it, it, the effect it had on this little girl, and it and it makes you wonder. And the, the horses, you know, they have this wonderful way about them. You know, I, I've spoke to several jockeys, and you know the, the, that you can you can understand. I fell in love with a horse when I had miles i mean i couldn't wait to get up in the morning and go down the yard and see her and all that and it was just it it was it's more than any i've got to say mate it's more than any woman a two-year-old she was a two-year-old filly and if i'd have had a daughter i couldn't have showed her any more affection it was it was just incredible the way they are um you can see why people fall in love. You see why people pay some. I mean, a lot of people pay money to earn money out of them, but uh, it's it's an incredible. You can see why people go there and they stand around a paddock and watch watch these wonderful animals walk by. You know. But it is incredible that you know if you treat people or treat animals or treat anything with the respect, with the love, with the tender care, it's it's quite incredible what results that you can get. And that is pretty much what Tony Waddington did to you. Um, a little old wine drinking me, Dean Martin, that's a song. And, and a song that reminds you of the time when you went back to Chelsea for Stoke, scored the goal that got Stoke into uh, Europe with a 1-0 away win and that you were waiting for the train and the gaffer turns up with a crate of champagne and sorts all you boys out and sticks an extra one in your bag, looks at you, smiles, just like Tom did to see Biscuit. And you guys were just up and running and you could. I don't think there's an argument. I don't think anybody would say anything different that you played your best football at Stoke and that was because of a guy that connected with you that got to the inner Alan Hudson water pitches for you done everything for you put you on that football pitch made you the well you, you made yourself the greatest midfield player in the world at that time and how could you not repay somebody with that faith in you and I think that's a great lesson in life for all of us it's 
but that was fantastic. As always, Alan Hudson always delivers. And now I want to pick up that point, Gabby. Yes, go on, go on, TC. Because I'll, you, you, part of it, part of you, I've been talking about that as long since I've known you. Yeah, management. Right? I don't know Alan well, you know, but since I've known you, you've spoke about. How long have I been saying about the most important person yep. in the football club? 100%. Managers. 100%. Serena Wigman should be... Uh, do you now let women know, what is it, dames? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Dame. And I'll tell you the reason why she should marry dame. I still think there's a question mark to everything about all this, but what a difference in her coaching. Yep. What a difference how she's got players uh, to look better yeah. than they have been. That's why Cluffy, that's why Revy, when he was with England, not with England, with Leeds, yeah. for some unknown reason, when he went to when he went to England, he got some of the greatest players that this country has ever produced, wouldn't play him. It's the most important thing I have uh, ever seen in a football, as a football club, is having the quality of a manager. And what she has done, right, with that team, is a phenomenon. Yeah, 100% agree, and you're right. You know, we're doing the podcast with you and Alan and phoning you up as well, because we don't just talk while we're doing the podcast. We uh, we, we talk, we phone each other up, and it's the same with Alan Hudson. And between you and Huddy, you've educated me. And my attitude towards footballers has changed dramatically because I listen, I learn, and I understand the importance of things that go on and, and management is so important. And as Alan just was talking about Seabiscuit, how good management fixed a broken horse. It is quite incredible. Book Corner in association with myfootballbooks.com TC. You can follow those on the socials at myfootballbooks. And he provides a phenomenal service promoting all books from all genres and historic up-to-date books, autobiographies, biographies, anything that's to do with football, check them out, myfootballbooks.com, guys. And the book that he uh, suggested this week for us is The Last Busby Babe, and it's the autobiography of Sammy McElroy, MBE, with Wayne Barton. To listen to the rest of this podcast, please go to www.patreon.com forward slash SRB Media, or just follow the links in the description. Thank you. SRB.